I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hi, everybody. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. You're listening to the Good Friend podcast presented to you by iHeartRadio. It's a podcast about friendship, sort of the good, the bad, and the ugly, the triumphs of friendship, the immense connection and emotion of friendship, the laughter, and occasionally the tears. We explore it all in an unscripted, very free-form way with many, many different guests, some I'm very close friends with, some I've never met. And I hope that you will take away from it something that connects you to your friends and that the ideas that we talk about can maybe be taken into your own friendships. So sit back or take a walk, or however you listen. I hope you enjoy it, and stay tuned. This is starting very formally. It'll be the first formal introduction that I've done. Normally, we're just laughing. Um, hello, everyone listening. I keep wanting to say watching, but it's not watching. It's listening. It's called a podcast. I'm getting, I'm new at this. I'm 63. It doesn't matter. You see, I'm I'm an old dog learning new tricks. Welcome to the podcast, Good Friend, where we discuss all things friendship. Good, bad, ugly, complicated, easy. A lot of people have talked about ease in friendships. Um, my guests today officially are Samantha Ronson, and um, I was going to call you Violet Gray, which just be like, maybe I'll call you Violet from now on. Um, Cassandra Gray, who are my friends and who are friends themselves and special friends. Is, is that what we call it in 2021? I, I'm I'm asking you. This is you're the guest. I'm the you know, I'm the official asker and you're the uh, apparently official answerer. Uh, yes, I would say that that is correct. We are we are friends. I, I, I would even say best friends. Yeah. And uh, and also significant others mm -hmm. and emergency contacts. Yes, that's the commitment is the emergency contact. Do you have it listed under ice in your phone? No. Oh, OK. So just so the uninitiated listener knows, you know, if you put your significant other emergency contact in your phone under ICE, in case of emergency, um, that's 
so if and somebody opens your phone or can get to your phone without having to know who to look for, they look for ice. So my husband is under in my phone is ice ice. <laughs> so ice ice baby. Yeah, sure. Too cold. Too cold. I know. Sorry, couldn't help it. Um, you know, I'm wearing earphones. You're not. And Samantha Ronson, besides being my friend, is also professionally, as the kids say, a DJ. Do you have like a DJ name? Yes, DJ Samantha Ronson. <laughs> That's your DJ name. Yeah, I never came up with anything clever. I I'm down with DJ Samantha Ronson, but you are a DJ yeah. by trade, by yeah. profession, and you wear earphones. So I've seen you do this thing, which I'm about to now do. You guys can't see it who are listening, but I'm about to flip them down for a second. And then I've also doing the thing where you take one of them off the ear. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm new at this. This is the sound of earphones. I, I've never worn earphones. I always found it was a sort of affectation for women my age walking around with earphones on. And so it's been very interesting for me to wear them. Um, I do get into the sound of my own voice. You wear them well. Thank you. It's not good with short hair. I, I'm finding. I'm just saying, I don't know. My bangs don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Because there's a thing. It's like a headband. So my bangs kind of get. Well, here's what you have to do here. Okay. Don't bring them on from the front like a headband. Bring them from the back. Okay. um, As you said, your best friends. How did you meet as friends, Cassandra? We met um, in a town called New York City. Heard about it. Um, when I was uh, living in LA and I was there on business with my assistant who is friendly or is friendly with Samantha and we, she, she, we were staying at the Bowery hotel. And at the time I was uh, very happily married and very much in love with my husband. And um, yet I had a, crush so much so that I told my husband about it because I had never had a crush on a girl before. So it was a, it was a memorable first encounter Mm -hmm. for that reason. And then, uh, yeah, we didn't, um, we saw each other a few more times in passing over the next five years. And then, uh, I would say we saw each other a few times in that in the next few months, we just happened to run into each other. And then we, I don't remember seeing you for at least five years. Yeah. So, and then. Um, you hired me to DJ your husband's birthday party too. It wasn't just in passing. Yeah. <laughs> you gave me a large amount of money. <laughs> DJ a <laughs> party is true. at your house. This is true. We, we ran into each other a few times. And then I hired her to DJ Brad, who was my husband, my late husband, his birthday, his I don't think it was his maybe 55th birthday. Mm-hmm. Surprise birthday. Oh, my husband said he would leave me if I ever threw a surprise party. We actually vowed in our marriage ceremony that we vowed never to give each other a surprise party. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually was able to surprise him and it was pretty, it's pretty wild because there was a lot of people there, right? Like maybe 200 people. I don't know. I didn't count. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then it's pretty romantic in that we came back into each other's lives after my husband passed away and we were both in the same place at the same time, fairly remarkably because either not, neither of us wanted to be in this place, which was um, a Make-A-Wish Foundation gala event downtown in Hollywood and I'm sorry in Hollywood for the kind of cool kids mm-hmm. I felt like it was cool kids it was like a hipster make-a-wish foundation gala that um I was asked to DJ and I like every now and then my manager's like you you need to DJ a party where you actually get paid you you can't just DJ charities because I don't know how to say no oh but it's also a beautiful service I mean, I understand there's commerce, but it's also a beautiful service uh, to be able to create that environment for 
a charitable organization. Of course, but sometimes I'd like to be asked to like be able to get involved, like for real, not just. Yes, like, I understand. Hey, come DJ. So I actually said no more than once to this event because I'd been on the road. I wasn't sure if I was going to be in town, and then, and then as it turned out, we were off the road, and my friend called me up and was like, uh, "Hey, can you DJ? I, I'm part of this thing," and I was like. Okay, of course, <laughs> of course, <laughs> I'll totally do this. Yeah, and so How can you say no to the kids? Yeah, and once mm-hmm. I knew what, because a lot of times people have a, a charity event that's not really a charity. Like by the end of the gala and all that stuff, you're like, oh, did any money actually go to these things, or is it just so you guys can throw a party and have your name? There's some of them where you're like, that's a little suspect. And um, so I wasn't really sure what, when you hear like, it's a fashion show and it's a thing. I was just like, okay, this isn't a real deal. But when my friend called me up and explained exactly what it was, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I have to DJ this. Mm-hmm. And then I got there and I was just DJing the beginning of it. And I turned around at one point, I was, we were in like the banquet area. Nobody was there yet. And I turned around and Cassandra was standing next to the turntables. And I was just like, yeah. Oh, hi. So I was, um, you know, newly widowed, heart heartbroken, shattered, clinically depressed, and my shrink said, "You have to leave the house. You have to go places. Just leave the house." So normally, I wouldn't go to an event in Hollywood uh, at any point in my life. I uh, agreed to go. The same friend that that called uh, Samantha, he's got, he's a guy called Drew Elliott. Um, our mutual friend from, from New York called me also and wanted, wanted to get me out of the house. So I canceled my, I, I tried it's to cancel. So, anyway, the, the, the point is, is that I got there. She got the there. Neither of us wanted to be there. As soon as I got there, it was a room full of hipsters and I was very uh, uncomfortable. And my friend Drew said, here, I'm going to, I'm going to put you back here until the event starts where you'll be more comfortable. And it was in this back room where the only other person that was there was Samantha. Yeah. It's interesting to me that, you know, I've been married 36 years and I interviewed Chris on this very podcast with his lifelong best friend, but I could have interviewed my husband because you're right. It, it, if if the relationship is anything, is that your friends, you know, as, as we get older and as everything changes, it is the friendship that that stays connecting us. It's not as much the physical life or your interests change, but the friendship stays. Um, and so it's interesting. I'm happy to be talking to two people somewhat in a newish relationship. It's a couple years, three years. Three plus, yeah. Three plus. Okay, you're almost through high school. My longest relationship by probably three years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so before this relationship uh, in friendships, Samantha, you are a twin mm-hmm. and you have a fairly big family. It seems like you have a big, close knit family. Yeah. So I don't really have a lot of friends, just family. Exactly. But when you were little and creating friendships, you know, we all make friends in school yeah. and stuff. What happened with you early on in life? I know I mean, we, we've spoken of this a little bit just outside of this conversation that you and your twin, twins by nature, are friends. Yeah. I mean, uh, Charlotte was actually more social than I was she she we went to different schools so she had her little clique of girls and um I was kind of always a a bit of a loner and a reader (laughs) is the the nice way of putting it I was just like a nerd and I stayed home and read books Mm -hmm. and Charlotte had her friends and you know in any other world or any movie that that would have been like I would I would have been bullied and she would have bullied me but I think the only reason I survived high school is because she was cool and had my back. So even though we didn't really hang out that much and I was definitely annoying to her, she was so incredibly loyal that I think to this day, she could literally like 
hit me in the face with like a two by four and I'd be like, but she was so nice to me in high school. <laughs> well, high school, by the way, I think is the real, t- it's brutal for most people. High school is just brutal or it's the greatest time of their lives. And they chase that high school feeling for the rest of their lives. I, it was the nightmare for me. It was a nightmare. So I, I, I think that's a common here, a common theme that I'm hearing is that high school friendships, um, as much as little kid friendships um, are important, high school and college, those really formative years where you start to become who you are, you're much less the imprint of your parents, and you're much more some beginning of individuality, your own mind, you're being opened by education, literature, books will you know, cracked you open. What about you, Cassandra? When you were little, what was your sort of friend connections when you were little? Well, I don't know. I don't know that we've ever really talked about my childhood much with you, Jamie, but mm. I, I, had, I, I had a very unconventional childhood. I knew that. My uh, mother left my father when I was a baby. So it was me and my brother. And she, um, remarried and I had a stepbrother. So I had two older brothers and we moved around in like gypsies um, for the first 12 years of my life. So every couple of years we, we moved and we lived in, we lived on a farm in the Smoky Mountains. We lived in on an Indian reservation in a teepee. And um, so by nature of moving around so much, I started to make friends and then I would have to say goodbye to the mm-hmm. friend, which was sort of okay when I was very young and really be- became a problem. You know, when I was sort of eight, nine, ten, 10, I would be heartbroken because I would have, I would make a close friend and then we would have to leave and I would never see them again. Um, and, you know, from, from what I remember, I just wanted to hang out with my brothers. So I think that's my first relationship with, with a friend would be my, my two brothers were my, were my friends, you know, when they let me. So, so yeah, so I, and then in high school, speaking of high school, I, I went to live with my father who always lived in San Francisco where I was originally from and was born and he lived in the same house. I spent holidays and summers there. So that's sort of, um, you know, where I grew up. And I went to live with him in high school and went, I was homeschooled my entire life until I was 14. And then went to, to, to high school it was my first um, school experience. So you weren't around a lot of school children, obviously, if you were homeschooled, you, as you said, you had your brothers. And Samantha, you had your twin and then uh, other siblings. I also, by the way, I had an elder sister, my sister Kelly. And for all intents and purposes, she was my best. You know, we were total opposites. And yet she was my ally. You know, she when you're in a family structure and you have close siblings, they are your friends. I mean, even if they are required to be your friends because you are just by nature related to each other. I have a lot of friends who have siblings that they're not close with and don't consider them friends. And I'm, we're lucky if we have that. Yes. You can answer it. I have a theory about this. (laughs) Okay. Let's hear it. It's the show about friendship, babe. I think you're Mm. either close with your parents or you're close with your siblings. Mm. And I find, I find that most of my Obviously, you can be a bit of both, but most of my friends who had like dysfunctional families growing up are super close with their siblings. Most and my friends who had like the the mom that like made them cookies and all that aren't necessarily as close with theirs. I mean, my parents my parents were always gone, so we had nannies. But uh, I feel like my friends who like who's like who are close with their moms aren't necessarily close to their siblings. Do you reach out to your friends? I mean, are your friends the first? I mean, it's interesting because you're in a relationship and you're friends. So you guys go to each other 
for a lot of the stuff that a lot of people go outside of their romantic, you know, emotional relationship. They go outside of it to find what they need from various people in various areas of their life outside of their unit. So it's interesting. How much do you guys bring each other? I mean, I don't really, if, if I couldn't tell you a friend that I'd spoken to really in the last year, I mean, I have Annabelle, my, my younger sister and Charlotte, Mark. I, I have people that, that I love that I have been friends with over the years that, you know, for maybe birthday, birthday things. I've never really been a best friends person. Right. So you, what you're saying is your family are your friends. Yeah. And what about you, Cassandra? You know, because I don't have a lot of family, I really, I have a, a few chosen members of my family and I have a very close friendship, 20 year long friendship with a woman called Carol. She's super, super smart. She was a journalist and One worked Emmys. for Peter Jennings for a long time. And then um, her husband uh, also died and uh, her best friend at the same time in a plane crash. And she then wrote a memoir that was a really great book. And then um, New York Times bestseller. And the New York Times bestseller 16. <laughs> oh, you're, you're like the good, like support color commentary, Samantha. Yeah. You, you have the good, you come in with all of the salient details and information. Where did you meet Carol? So yeah, Carol, I met in New York City when I was living there and I kind of picked her up at a party and it was a after party to a movie premiere. And I started talking to her, loved her and wanted to really impress her and seal the deal. And at the time I used to play sort of the coolest thing about me was that I played um, high stakes poker in a, in a game with all men. I was the only female player. So I took her downtown, because we were uptown, to a um, to a poker game where we stayed there until one o'clock in the morning, and then I had one of the other poker players um, take her home in his Maybach. Yeah, baby. You know, we had we have kind of parallel lives because she also lost her husband to cancer, and it was a you know a, a similar sort of five year battle um like i had with my husband and had she had just lost her husband maybe a couple of years before i met her and she had never had that um you know she was she was very serious career very early on super nerd um and married and never had that kind of um carefree new york in your twenties kind of experience. Mm -hmm. So she recognized quickly that she could have that with me. Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of fun together. I didn't know you played poker, by the way. Do you still play? I don't, I don't play anymore. By choice? Uh, by choice. Yeah. Not by law. You haven't been like forbidden. No, no, not by law. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm imagining, you know, guys in, you know, police uniforms <laughs> saying like, yeah. you're not allowed to, to do that here. Yeah. At first it was very glamorous, like, like I described, and then it turned into me playing um, video poker uh, until, you know, not sometimes nine in the morning. There could have been, you know, substances involved in that experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no longer glamorous. And uh, yeah, so I haven't played poker in about, I guess, 15 years. Wow. This is new information I'm processing. I'm I'm counting cards right now. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, play poker? No, but I I am friends with people who play poker. Um, and I played in one poker game at someone's home, where I was staked. Um, they needed somebody to fill the table. Somebody had gotten ill. I stepped in, and I I'm not a good card player. I'm my sister Kelly is like like total killer and you play hearts with her, she will eviscerate you. And I'm just, I like see things and I'm like, oh, I have, like, I get you, you guys know me a little bit. I am hardly, I don't have a good, like, oh, nothing's going on face. 
You're an actor. I understand. But in that world, I'm not. I'm and I'm and by the way, I don't have any game theory. I'm not good with numbers. I am not good with games like that at all. I don't like crossword. I'm like not that person. But I agreed to sit in on this game and I didn't know what the F I was doing. Not a clue. And I remember a lot of high powered, very wealthy people in my industry were there. And as I, I decided to emulate my husband, who's very quiet, very serious, and doesn't, he has the greatest poker face you've ever seen in your life. So I decided to just sort of be Chris Guest. And I showed up at this house and I ran into somebody. Somebody ran a studio or something. And they were like, hey, Jamie, wow, you played. And I just looked at him without smiling and went, yeah, just a little. <laughs> Nothing. I didn't say a word. And then I walked up to the house. There were other people there. And again, people were like, wow, hi, Jamie. I mean, people I worked with. I mean, it was, you know, and I just smiled. Very little, like little thin smile. Mm -hmm. Hi. And I didn't even know where you're supposed to sit. And I watched that the guy before me flipped over a card and that determines your seat at the table. So as soon as I knew where his seat was, I did the math, a little bit of math and figured out which seat I had. And then I just didn't move. And I, you know, in the second hand, I went, all in. I made a huge bet. And what happened, which was amazing, I went all in on my second hand and the guy sitting across from me, and I've learned this later, that apparently the, the worst thing in a poker game is to not know someone because you just don't know their tells. You don't know anything about them. And I didn't give up anything. I sat there and you know me, I'm really friendly. I'm like really affectionate. I'm, and I sat there and I just thin smiled him. And this guy stared at me for the longest time. And then, you know, obviously I think he, I think he, he folded at that point. Anyway, by the end of the break, where you combine the two tables to one table to the final table, I was the chip leader at my table. What? And I made the fatal poker error. I called home. I called home and I was in a closet. I was like, hi, I'm winning. Oh my God, I'm winning. And all I heard was this. What time will you be home? No enthusiasm. No, I'm excited for you, honey. Way to go, babe. None of it. It was, when will you be home? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I could make it all the way out the tape. And I hung up the phone and, you know, went to the table and gone in two rounds, two, two rounds. I was gone, but it was, that's my poker story. I've never yeah. played again. I'm not a poker player. I don't have a poker face, Gaga. I don't have a poker face. I just, I'm who I am. We'll be right back with more good friend after this quick break. So stick around. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. 
your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Friendship. So we've also been exploring now as the the conversations have happened, you know, friendships that have needed to either be amended or let go of. And as we get older, we are starting to understand that there are often times in our adult lives where we have to let go of people, that friendships become toxic, friendships become um, dangerous. Do you guys have any experience with that? Samantha was just about to say something. You know, when you're a kid and and your parents like put you in a play date and, and you don't necessarily, you parallel play. Yeah. I realized that most of my 20s and 30s, I was just parallel playing like all my friends were basically based on the fact that we were all in the same place at the same time like either our parents were friends or this one and and we just known each other forever and then you're like oh wait just because we've known each other forever doesn't mean we have to stay friends like doesn't mean we even like each other or have anything in common and then you know, what really killed, I would say, like 70% of those superficial friendships was social media and the the last, I would say, six years of politics and being so disappointed in so many people who were t- too worried about their brand to speak up or say anything. Social media <laughs> has changed a lot of friendships for me. You know, it's like, you remember that Polaroid campaign, like, watch what develops? Mm-hmm. You know, it develops narcissism and you start to see like all these people, you're like, oh, 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 okay. This is what you're interested in. And this is, this is what feeds your soul or this, this is the kind of thing that you care about. Great. Cool. I'm happy for you. Just you do that over there and I'm going to do me over here. And uh, I think a lot of my friendships when I, especially when I stopped drinking too, when I wasn't just going to bars and hanging out and when I was done DJing, I was actually just going home. I realized like, oh yeah, we weren't friends. You were just like there. We were just in the same place for so long that we just, it's like this like simpatico or whatever it is, you know, you're just like, you know. And and I realized that most of my friendships were just not really worth putting the time into once I moved like to the west side of LA and all my friends were in Hollywood and I would say like maybe two or three ever made that trip. Mm-hmm. Well, that says a lot, you know, I mean, it says a lot and parallel play is actually a great way of describing it. Cause I do think people kind of get on parallel tracks and they, they're not intersecting. And I think really when you say the word good friend, a good friend crosses from the East side of LA to the West side. It's just what they do. It's it, people show up for each other. We, we know each other the three of us, and it's called showing up for each other. You have to. It's not possible to have a friendship with somebody if you're not showing up. If you're just, as you said, in a parallel universe, that's not connection. That's not, that's nothing. That's just showing up a lot. Yeah. I heard on another podcast, because now I listen to podcasts, 
because it's a new way of getting information, which I find interesting. Um, it was called Life Examined, and they had this fantastic, I wish I knew the woman's name, forgive me for not saying it. Um, she's a scientist, an English woman, and she was studying the generation that I raised my daughter in. You guys are younger, and Jules is a young boy, seven, eight years old. And you know, my my youngest Ruby is now 25, just had their 25th birthday. So I don't have young people, but I raised my kids in a generation where I like to refer to it as the good climbing Brandon generation, where parents would sit at the park and the child would climb the structure. And both parents on the sidelines were like, good climbing, buddy. Good climbing, Brandon. Way to go. Come here. High five. Give it up. Oh, yeah. Win a win a chicken dinner. And it was insane the way we filled them with this omnipotence that they were the king of the universe. And this woman has done a study talking about the most that this generation is the depressed generation. It's a, it's a big, big problem of depression and loneliness. And I think they refer to it as the loneliest generation, even though we have all the social media that you just talked about, you have all of the, the billions of people and yet people are lonely. And she was describing that when she did studies and she interviewed this generation and said, what is the word to describe you? One word. It was not friendly, loving, generous, thoughtful. The word that was most used was unique. All about the I, the uniqueness yeah. of me. And I thought that was very telling. And it's difficult to make a friendship if you're focused on your uniqueness and not focused out into the universe, which is what I didn't know we were doing because I was from the generation whose parents didn't pay attention to them. And by the way, I had perfectly fine parents. Don't let me, I'm not going to slag off my parents here on my podcast. Be like, yeah, they're horrible. You know what I mean? They were parents, but they didn't pay attention. They didn't know my friends' names. I mean, one of my best girlfriends to my mother you know, five years before my mother died, she would go up to her and go, Hannah, it's Debbie Oppenheimer, Jamie's best friend. <laughs> I mean, you know, my parents just didn't know my people. And so I think our generation, my generation, again, I'm older than you guys, was to say, I'm going to pay attention to everything. I'm going to watch every move you make. I'm going to look at every drawing you make and say, oh, look at that drawing. And it's just, it was too much of a reaction to my upbringing. And now I think, because I've seen you guys as parents, and I've also seen this new generation where I think people are starting to look outwards. What you were talking about, Samantha, about social media where if people are so afraid of their brand and they can't be open because they're afraid of losing something, then that's, that's not friendship. Yeah. So um, I just remember when I was a kid, I feel like I just started making ashtrays because <laughs> they would at least get used the things I made in art class. Cause otherwise my mother was like, Oh, uh, it's great. You hold on to that. Though. <laughs> I think my mother wasn't like, Oh, you're going to be an artist when you grow up. She was like, yeah. When I started making ashtrays, they got used. But I feel like some of some of these kids these days, they just like I, I tweeted it the other day that I was like, some of y'all don't have siblings, and it shows. Like someone needs to bully somebody. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's the only way that you like. Otherwise, all these people think that they're like the smartest, the funniest, the prettiest, the greatest. The and you're like, someone needs to tell you like. Somebody that loves you needs to tell you that like, ah, that's not it. But only your siblings can tell you shit because you know they love you. You know it's coming from a nice place. They're not just trying to like destroy you, but like maybe you're not Picasso. <laughs> maybe you're not the next, you know, Einstein. Maybe you're just you. And I think we've kind of 
that's what that's what friendship is is telling you with kindness and love no we'll be right back with more good friend after this quick break I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. We know each other. We have now met each other, the three of us and other people. And we are starting to really explore all those friendships. It's how we know each other. And I used to like honestly walk up to people and go, will you be my friend? I have um, uh, people know I'm in recovery and, you know, when I was early in recovery and I would see all of these best friends, you know, celebrating each other and talking about how they used to get wasted together and now they don't and, you know, how happy they all are. And there were a couple, not a couple, not a romantic couple, but just a best friends couple who both two women who had both gotten sober. And I was so lonely and didn't know how to make friends in that in recovery. Um, I don't know if it was I felt separate because I was famous and whatever it was, whatever it was there I was. And I actually called them both and said, can we be can I be friends with you guys, which is to me the sort of delicate underbelly of friendship that is so crucial, which is why I think we all feel very close to each other. Even though we all haven't known each other that long, I feel like you guys are my good friends. And it's because of that vulnerability, um, which I think comes, which is a component of friendship. Um, what would you think of that, Cassandra? You're also... Let me just throw this in there, by the way. No, no, you throw anything you want. I just, she was looking kind of pensive. So I didn't know it felt like she had something to say, but go. I was thinking this the other day, separate from this podcast situation, like how grateful I am that I get to be your friend. 
Like you're honestly like one of the kindest, most generous, caring, thoughtful, like, you know, like every now and then I'll just, you know, open the mailbox and there's something from your address and I open it up and it's, it's a nameplate of my new dog that like, I mean, they need to have a nameplate on their crate. But they don't. And yes, and they it, do, Samantha. But but exactly, like you're just always so kind and so sweet and so thoughtful. And like, you know, things that it's and you have a full life. You're busy. You're you have a home. You have all this. You have this new my hand in your business. You're doing this podcast. You're you're literally one of the busiest person people. You're one of the busiest people I know. And you find the time to do that. I am doing absolutely f- all. And I can barely write. <laughs> I gave Cassandra a card for, for Valentine's Day. And she's like, yo, you didn't write anything on it? I was like, I supposed to? do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, nothing but time on my hands. And there you are just juggling plates. And okay. Okay. Well, I'll edit all that out. (laughs) I'm joking. I won't. But I'm saying that's very sweet of you. But it's because I've also shown you my delicate underbelly because I have extended my hand to you and said, will you be my friend? When we first met, I walked up to you and hugged you. I was terrified. You were terrified. That's fine. But it's none of you just have hugs. Whatever. That's fine. And I understand that now. And now I approach much care, more carefully. And now we can't hug anyway. We can't even look at each other. I'm surprised that we've, we still know each other because, you, you know, the restrictions. But to me, it's that delicate underbelly. It's that real sense of, you know, I marry people and I have married people and I use the marriage ceremony that. Chris and I were married under, uh, written by a woman from the Judson Church in New York, a woman named Lee Hancock, who's no longer here. Um, But she was a reverend and she married us. And in the ceremony, she says, you have chosen each other to combat the loneliness of human existence. That you have come together to do that, to combat it, to be each other's, you know, to be an ally. And so I do feel that the loneliness of human existence, the vulnerability of human beings is really ultimately what is connecting us all, even though, as you said, we're all sort of busy and have ideas and talents. Really, it is that. So that's, to me, the real connective tissue here. Cassandra, what were you going to say? You had an idea. Well, I think that recovery that we have in common and really the ability to be vulnerable and open and and trust each other is what creates that long lasting bond. As long as you have that trust, like that whole thing of, you know, trust makes everything simpler. And you're not trying to navigate like, what do you want from me? And what am I, what am, what is the transaction here? And it's about, we we authentically want connection and just to be able to really be seen. I don't think that, that friendship is real unless there is that vulnerability and trust. Um, I've had a lot of friendships or relationships that were not built on trust that, you know, you, you, you spoke about cutting people out of your, of your lives or of your life. And, you know, that's, I, I, I'm also a person and I, I know you as well. And Samantha certainly being a Leo that really values loyalty and I struggled with that for a long time of how can I cut this person off if I am loyal? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would continue to engage in these sort of dysfunctional, unhealthy relationships, largely just because they were not built on trust. And it was very, you know, they're all very transactional 
in an unhealthy way. And until I recognized that, you know, cutting someone off or creating healthy boundaries mm-hmm. when you don't have trust or authentic connection is actually the most respectful thing that you can do in that relationship. And that conflict we, we learn from. You know, I think I, I, had, a, I had a really close friend um, that uh, passed away. I wasn't very good at saying no. So I would often say yes to everything. And then I would flake just not show up or, you know, cancel at the last minute or, or, you know, little things like that. And he sat me down once and he said, you know, this is, this is, this is not a real friendship that you don't value my time and that you are always, you know, not, not showing up or flaking. And it's okay to say no, but say no. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I always remember that because it's like, that's the thing about built, being built on, built on trust. Like you can have healthy boundaries or you're not available for someone or you can't do something for someone as long as you are, are clear about it and why. And then I think that you have this mutual respect that, you can rely on one another. And then I think, you know, if, if, if someone isn't, isn't ready to have a healthy relationship that is authentic or, or, you know, is, they can trust you, then, you know, you can, they may, they may come back around, but in my experience, it's, it's, it's been really important to me to, either create boundaries or end relationships if they feel like, you know, unhealthy, that we're sucking each other's energy. And I always say that there's that, that Oprah, you know, she, she talks a lot about how she is so concerned about the energy that she puts out into the room. And then she also realized that she needs to be very concerned with the energy that she allows in her space and her orbit and her field. And that there's so many energy suckers out there and you don't even really know why. But I think with, I think that, you know, I recognize that a, a, a lot. Now I can recognize that pretty quickly now versus before when I would have, I had a lot of, you know, inauthentic relationships, friendships, business relationships. And I just, at, at a certain point, I just wasn't, I didn't want to have that anymore. Wow. But yeah, I mean, I think that, that's certainly the experience that I know Samantha's had with you and I've had with you and the other sort of friends that we have in common. Yeah. Um, it's, it, we really can, can trust each other. And, you know, I get such energy from you and from Samantha. Um, and I really recognize that. Like I can recognize like, that, you know, you, you're around people, often sometimes people, you know, that you work with or that are your friends or family that you're around all the time. And, you know, taking the time to say, hey, am I getting energy from this person? Am I giving energy to this person? Um, is, is, is just life-changing. And it takes time. I mean, that's, you know, I'm impatient. So I want everything you know, I, um, that, you know, I, 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 I saw Chris's picture. I said, I'm going to marry him. And I married him like so fast. And, you know, it's 36 years later, I've started to go, oh, <laughs> oh, interesting. That's who you are. You know, I don't, I'm learning to take time. I remember you're going to laugh at me, um, but a violet gray approved person Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, when Michelle was a young actress, I did the same thing. I called her because we were in competition. Not that I ever got those jobs, but you know what I mean? Like we were in competition always. Her name was always on every casting sheet that I was ever up for, always. And I called her 
and said, can we be friends so that we're not enemies? Because I don't want to hate you. And if I know you, I'm not going to hate you if you get the part. If I don't know you, you're going to remain this unreachable foe. And you're not. You're, I'm guessing you're a decent person. And I'm getting, you know, I, 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 maybe that's the beginnings of even me starting a podcast was during COVID, you know, where I was alone with my husband a lot. I did start to really wonder about friendship and how important it is to me, to others. And you can't get there without saying, here's my hand. Will you hold it? Will you allow me in, allow you in? And, you know, I could say you guys were like, whatever, we can all create the reasons why you wouldn't want to be my friend. It's just human nature. We're going to go, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't like moisturizer enough (laughs) until now. Um, But do you know what I mean? Like you're run a beauty business. I'm, I don't wear literally anything on my face. So I didn't think I would be, but you're so not somebody in the beauty business. I mean, look at you. I I mean that I'm not, you aren't a painted person. You're not a fake painted person. You, I'm, uh, you know, you're in the music business. I'm not, I listen to music every single day from the moment I wake up till the moment I go to sleep, there's music playing, but I'm not a musician. I married a musician who practices his instrument, you know, all day long, every day. And I would be like, well, how could I relate? But the truth is, I so completely relate to you, Samantha. We're all just humans and what we do or, or, or it still comes up. You, you sent me this, is it Jose Gonzalez, Leaf mm-hmm. on a Cave or Leaf in mm-hmm. a Cave? You sent me that. Uh, I always loved it. Like you would gift the song as opposed to just sending a link. To I it. didn't know how to do any of that. I've only now understand you can send it. I seriously, yeah, I, I, I like to buy it. Same. <laughs> I like to support artists. I like to pay for it as well. I'm like, here, have my money. Um, but, you know, you connect. You know, when you're a kid or you're an adolescent, you know, we all bond over people we hate or things. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, that, that, that felt like so many of my friendships were like, when you're young and you're like partying, you're like, hate that girl. She's like, I hate her too. Let's be best friends. Right. right. And like, and then needless to say, those, those friendships don't necessarily last because maybe the only thing you have in common is that you hate that other person, but you maybe want Which is really just jealousy of that other person probably, or just some, some, uh, you know, attached thing about that other person. Not justified, but um, but when you make friendships with people over things that you love or like in common, then that's generally a better way to start a friendship because it's by putting sharing light as opposed to darkness. And I feel like so many friendships that I, I had when I was young were like just based on like we both hate that person. But like that's it. And that is not enough to to start a friendship. But, you know, when you when you said you wanted to be friends with Michelle Fiverr, it's so much more fun to root for people. It's you know, you you Mm -hmm. want to to have that. And I love having friends that that I can get excited for and be happy for. There's there's enough in the world. Like it's nice to just find the things that you love in common. And that's really that's enough for me. Yeah, I think I mean my relationship with Carol is, you know, not to like rank the different relationships in my life, but I think it's 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 such an important relationship that I have this best friend that we can talk every day, multiple times a day, and then sometimes go, you know, three, four months without talking. But we're always connected. We've always been connected this this whole time. And I, I'm so grateful for that relationship because, you know, she, it, through, throughout everything, she's just, she's, she's been there. 
and it doesn't have the threat of a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, a romantic relationship, there's always a threat of that person may not be in love with you anymore, and then they're gone. So basically, you rank your friendship with Carol above ours. Well, it's just different. <laughs> it's like it's like it's not wow. as vulnerable. It's not as vulnerable because there's not that romantic piece, right? Which is a whole world in, of its own. Yeah. To expo- I was talking about exposing that delicate underbelly. That's exposing a whole other delicate underbelly of ourselves yeah. to someone else. Yeah. And I think that you know a lot of a lot of times I, I'll I'll speak to to women usually, but men too. And especially during the pandemic, where they, if they're not with someone, they're so lonely. And they think that they need, you know, a romantic relationship versus a, a friendship. Mm-hmm. People don't seek out friendships in the same way that they seek out this romantic relationship that they think um, they should have. Jamie does. Well, Jamie's is, is an exception. But typically, charge. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I think that. Seeking out a friendship, pursuing a friendship, is 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 so it's so courageous, and it can be me so much more meaningful than a romantic relationship. I mean, like Bumble, you know, Bumble, of course, Bumble, the um, dating app. I don't know. (laughs) Well, there's. I love her says, of course, like yeah, James on all (laughs) this. I mean, they they advertise everywhere. I mean, I don't know how you can notice that. Oh, okay. So Bumble, there you know, there's a there's a handful of dating sites: Tinder, Bumble. Yeah, no, I've heard about Tinder. I've heard about matching. And Bumble has match. You know, they have a division that is about finding friends. Like it's it's like BFF or something, which I thought was you know, just telling of, of the time that we live in as people, you know, young people, particularly, I, I, I find that they're not as set on, okay, I'm going to, you know, grow up and, and, and meet someone and fall in love and get married. Um, you know, they value other platonic relationships also as being an important part. So the algorithm that they use is based on your likes and interests, and it's very similar to the dating apps, except there's not sex involved. It's I'm looking for a friend Friend. who I will then build a friendship with. Wow, that's fascinating. I've never heard that. Um, Well, thank you, ladies. I've enjoyed this so much. I could I could continue this for another couple hours. Um, But this is what this is about. It's exploring friendship you know, in all aspects. And you both have brought such interesting insights. Both of you have completely dropped some big thought bombs um, on us, the listener. And I will think about all of them. And, um, you know, it's it's an undefined world about friendship. And we're trying to explore it and not define it, but sort of give it different aspects. And you guys have brought a really interesting perspective to it. So on behalf of my listener, I like to believe I have one. Like I'm just, I try not to be like hubrisy and think like I, I got a lot of them. So <laughs> I, I, I would like to thank my one listener that I know of for sure. Are you saying you're two listeners? So now I have three. So now we're strong. We're three strong. But on behalf of my listeners, um, thank you, Cassandra Gray and Samantha Ronson for being good friends. And uh, God bless everyone listening and uh, stay safe and make good choices make good good choices (laughs) don't smoke cigarettes and don't smoke cigarettes there you go all right peace everybody good friend is produced by dylan fagan and is a production of iHeartRadio. our theme song good friend is written, produced, and performed by Emily King. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.